What up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm J. Mike. We've got Dre here. We've got Hank here. We've got Jake here. And we are going to do the NFC Draft Grades. If you missed our AFC Draft Grades, go back and check it out. A lot of Broncos talk. And it was just a lot of fun. It's a snowy Saturday here in the Denver area. What's it like out in Utah right now, Jake? Um, I think you guys are getting what we had to deal with like two, three days ago. Because I swear to God, we had a hurricane roll through here not too long ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's practically a hurricane. But uh, yeah, it's nice and sunny today. Oh, sunny here. Sounds nice. Yeah, it does. Good for you. Um, I'm on the side of the house where there are a bunch of branches leaning over. So who knows? Who knows what what this podcast will bring? I'm just worried my power is going to go out at any point. When I was walking the dog earlier, it was just branches falling in the trees. I was like, if I die this way, that'd uh, that'd be pretty fitting. It'd be a stupid way to die, but that'd be fitting for me. Hank, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, honestly, it turns out. Like, just the cold can kind of wake you up. Like, I, I woke up at, like, 9.20. It was like, I'm going to walk over to Starbucks. And I just walked outside. I was like, I don't even think I need coffee now. I'm just really cold. But then I got the coffee, so I'm a little bit out of my mind. I don't remember the last time I slept past, like, 8 a.m. That sounds very, very nice. But uh, let's get into it. Let's let's talk about Some the NFC guy. West. And uh, Seattle, specifically, who had a, a pretty interesting draft class. Top 10 pick. They go with Charles Cross, the offensive tackle uh, out of Mississippi State. Makes sense. Nice value selection, but there was a lot of talent on the board. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on Seattle's draft class? Um, I mean, pretty solid overall uh, with the picks that they got from Denver to Charles Cross, Boy Mafe. Uh, they traded one of the fifth rounders to uh, ended up being Kansas City. Um, Overall, I thought it was a solid class, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny, though. You They entered the draft with the worst quarterback room in the league, and then they left the draft with the worst quarterback room in the league. So, yeah. I mean, it kind of limits their ceiling in terms of what I'd give them as a grade. Um, it just feels good to not say that about the Broncos, though, which is really, really nice. Um, they took two interesting tackles, though. They took Abraham Lucas in the third round. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting that they took Cross and Lucas, both air raid type guys that, you know, not really known for their power and ability in the run game. Um, so we'll see how that kind of works out. And then they take two classic cornerback prospects with Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen, just long, fast yep. dudes. Um, and then a 4-3 guy, Bo Melton, at the end. I gave it a B-. minus. It was actually pretty solid, but can't do much with the quarterback room. Yeah, I think they are in a similar spot to Atlanta, Two teams who just based off my board were able to bring home lots of good players. Um, those corners are great value and fantastic fits. Um, you know, you double up on pass rushers, two kind of older guys and senior bowl standouts, very, very sea hockey of them. But to get two guys in a draft like this, that definitely was a priority. And I love those tackles. I was as high on cross and Lucas as anyone. Um so purely like, hey, we're starting from scratch. We're, we've got a lot of picks. We're purely gathering value. It's four guys in my top 40. It's six guys in my top 100. That's a ton of building blocks. Um, hindsight, if the Broncos had nine and that Boye Mafe pick, 
I think cross was definitely going to be a consideration or you try to trade down since that's where the run on receivers really started happening. Um, and I mean, we all know that George Payton, like most of the NFL has an addiction to corners and the top guys were already gone. So it would have been really interesting to see where do they go? Would they have gone Jermaine Johnson? Would they have moved down, tried to get in front of the Steelers and tried to get Kenny Pickett? Um, there's an interesting argument to be made with like Boye Mafe, who with the early second round pick was the Seahawks edge. Uh, are you just happier with Nick Benito, who has the higher end trait, is the younger guy with a higher ceiling, more off ball skills, while certainly Mafe had a more natural fit as a run stopper. And then from a Seahawks perspective, just philosophically, this is a team whose biggest strength is the vertical passing game and has lost their stud quarterback who could really do that. They got pass pro spread tackles and they're trying to become more of a power run team with two spread quarterbacks who are going to be at their best in RPO and like throwing it vertical and like quick, easy reads. And then you get the top running back in the back in the in the draft. So what are we doing? Are we running the ball? Are we embracing more of a spread offense philosophically, at least offensively, it seems a complete mismatch. Um, and, and there's no real semblance of what we're doing. And that, that extends to like adding no offense to this team. So yeah, from like just gathering capital. Great. It's like an a draft for my board, everything else. Meh. We're two, three years away from figuring this out. Yeah. I give them a B plus, but I mean, uh, it's a transition period. Like, I, I think that this is just kind of what you expect when Russell Wilson's gone. You know, going and drafting two, two tackles. You know, Charles Cross, great pass protector. Was he's a run blocker? Who knows? A. Lucas is, is an awesome prospect for where they got him. It's, to me, like, not getting a quarterback, like, sure, whatever. But also, my strategy when the Broncos had Drew Lockett quarterback and the not, number nine pick was, Wait till next year, build around them. And I think that's what they did. You know, you throw these tackles out there, you take great value on the defensive end, guys who maybe next year really pop off and you set yourself up well, uh, especially like with Kenneth Walker. Like if he turns out to be an every down back instead of just the third down guy, which as a third down guy pairing with Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, you could do, and that's that's a pretty awesome combination. Uh, I, I think that they set themselves up really well to make a move next year and they have extra capital next year. It's a lame answer, but the, the Seahawks were not fixing this team this season in this draft. And so I, I, I really like what they did. What was your grade, Trey? I mean, for pure value, it's an A for actually lining up with philosophy and stuff and taking good swings when you need to take them. Uh, like your second pick in the entire draft being on a running back, which you did, really didn't need. It's more of a B plus. I'm more aligned with uh, what Jake was saying. Is there anybody out of their day three selections that you would rather have than who Denver ended up with? We already did the the Benito comparison, but I mean, I liked Kobe Bryant a lot. Woolen's obviously a really fun prospect. We'll see how he actually pans out as a corner, but like Dre said, he feels very Seahawksy, big, lanky dude. And he runs like a four three, which is just insane. So yeah, I, I would have been stoked with either of those corners. I like Kenneth Walker. I'm not sure if he pairs well with Javante. Although, I mean, he's pretty decent as a pass catcher. W what are your guys' thoughts there? It's not great. I mean, I don't really love any of these top running backs as a pass catcher other than Brees Hall. But 
Where are you at? James Cook. Um, I mean, I'd go, I'd go back to those corners real yeah. quick. I mean, Tariq Wallen is a guy that I liked a lot. And he was someone that I'd consider taking at 64 even. Mm-hmm. Um, he drops all the way down to 153, which I don't completely understand. Because it was weird, not yeah. many guys that big and long that run a four two. Um, I know he's not like polished and he's pretty raw. I mean, I think he's only played cornerback two years though. So yeah. a guy that toolsy just dropping that far is kind of just crazy to me. And then of course the Seahawks go and get him fifth round. I mean, it's great value for them. I would have loved yeah. uh, Broncos to take a swing on him though. Totally, especially taking Delaire and Turner yell the pick before. Like yep. that—that's the one where it's like, yeah, if you just got yeah. three full in there, then you just like look at the other safeties that are on the board, and like Quentin Lake going at the very end of the sixth round out of UCLA, getting him instead of Delarion Turner Yell, like, sure, I think there's a lot of similarities in like just the way they play and the question of oh, how much better are you going to get? Like, do you have the traits? And so I, yeah, I, I, the the Seahawks got great value in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round. Yeah, I mean Kobe Bryant, Tyreek Wollen. Tariq Smith, those are all nice value picks. I would have taken any one of those on Denver, um, just no doubt. But yeah, can uh, uh, not the huge, not a huge Mafe fan. And Walker just wasn't what this team needs to rebuild, like at all. And yeah, wouldn't have been a Broncos um, priority. I don't think that early. Yeah, I don't mind that Walker pick. I we might be kind of trapped at the Great third back. down roll. Just because, and you have Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, but like it's it's just so hard. Like if you want to add to the offense, you want to build up weapons. You kind of have the receivers set. You have Noah Fant there now, and you don't really want to draft somebody in front of him. So like I get like the offense needs to be better, and we're losing Russell Wilson. Just get one more weapon. Get these tackles. See see what happens. I mean, honestly, I think the looking at the depth chart of the offense, it really doesn't look that bad in my eyes. Um, I mean, maybe you could use a a D Eskridge to come along as your slot receiver and yeah. really kind of round out your receiving core. But I mean, yeah, I can't be too mad with the Walker pick. Uh, Penny's only on a one year prove it deal, and Chris Carson's been in the league like five years already too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. they could very well just be setting him up to hand him the reins next year. Um, with just some like part-time work this year. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really hate on this roster too much. It's just that it, it's crazy. It's it's literally Denver, uh, you know, three months ago. Uh, yep. They're limited by the ceiling of the quarterback. Yep. It's crazy. And paying Jamal Adams a ton of money. I mean, that's yeah. where if yeah. they had their natural pick, right, the 10th pick that becomes Garrett Wilson and could have become huge trade fodder to move down, or what have you, this team looks completely different. You feel can completely I, I, different about their rebuilding ability. Real quick, too. They also added Bubba Bolden as an undrafted free agent who just – he screams Seahawk safety to me. I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys, but, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, came into the year as one of the top-ranked safeties. He's a um, – gosh, the Gorman High School out in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Him and Tate Martell. Yeah, they both like didn't lose a game their entire high school careers. Was really good at Miami his first couple of seasons and dropped off a little bit. There might be some knuckleheadedness, but he's a classic Seahawks guy. I mean, they're all about the like highly touted recruits and just rolling the dice on those dudes later on. I'm I can't think of a single one who's actually panned out aside from like Metcalf, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, 
ballers keep taking shots. So <laughs> I do. Fun fact about Bishop Gorman. They're so dominant in Nevada. They just go to the state championship game and everybody else plays to determine who's going to play Bishop Gorman in the title game. <laughs> That's like actually how it works. All right, let's uh, let's move on down the coast to San Francisco and uh, our good friend John Lynch running it out there. Fine Broncos safety. Oh, I sounded so old there. Uh, they got Drake Jackson at number 61, a guy who I liked a lot. Again, though, I think I'd rather have Benito. I don't know. This a lot, a, of, a lot of a lot of guys I liked. It was weird that they took Brock Purdy at the very end. I didn't understand that one at all. I don't know. What are your guys' yeah. thoughts on uh, the Niners and old Shanahan? I didn't understand much of this class, frankly. Um, I mean, Jackson is nice, and he just stacks onto an already already strong uh, front seven and just defensive line rotation overall. Yeah, um, he's kind of a project, though. I mean, he hasn't really put it all together in terms of pass rush skills and ability to you know consistently win in the run game. Um, but for your first pick, that's not a bad uh, not a bad pick. After that, though, man, I don't really know what's going on here. Uh, Terion Davis Price. I mean, I watched a lot of LSU over the past two three years, and he was fine, but he never stood out to me as a top 100 pick in the NFL draft. Um, Danny Gray. He's going to have some. He's brings some nice speed. I can easily see Trey Lance just throwing him some bombs and just playing catch with him, running deep down the field. There's really nothing I really I like about it though. I mean, Tariq Castro Fields I thought was a decent prospect that kind of uh, fell all the way down to 221 overall. Um, but yeah, man, this is like a D plus for me. I don't know what's really going on here. The yeah, the the Brock Purdy pick in the seventh round. It's like the. <laughs> Just now, now that it's happened, it's like, yeah, but Brock Purdy behind Jimmy Garoppolo, that just feels right. And obviously, you have Trey Lance in there too, but that's a what a wild draft class. Like, every single one of these picks, I mean, Drake Jackson, I really like, like, just the, yeah. the size and strength combination. Like, you see a whole bunch of potential there. You see a whole bunch of production. We turn on the Colorado game, but that's. <laughs> How so many points you for that? Yeah, every <laughs> USC stud ever. That's the case. Like, go watch that Rojo Sam Darnold tape, baby. Uh, <laughs> San Francisco Ju- might have taken him in the next round if not for that game. <laughs> God damn. But, Juju yeah. tape's unbelievable. They might have sniped the Broncos on that Drake Jackson pick, by the way. I think like that, I that think, legit yeah. might have been the case. Troy totally. Anderson, another guy we ca- talked about. Um, I think those Cam- are the three. With Cam-, Cam Taylor whatever um he was another guy who it sounded like was in the mix um, would you rather have personally i think go around I the room i would take benito because because you? you have chubb and gregory and if you you have chubb you have gregory you have drake jackson in some ways it's a little bit redundant, right? Where it's like, if you're going to throw the NASCAR package out there, get a Nick Benito, who's just crazy fast, great in pursuit. And, and so you change things up just a little bit. Plus he has a little bit more coverability. I mean, a lot more coverability. And, and given how this defense is set up, I think he's just a better fit. Yeah, I think I agree there with Hank. That's there's some good points. Um, but Drake Jackson, I mean, he's just... I feel like he does have a higher ceiling. I mean, if he's able to really put it yep. all together, develop yep. a pass rush plan and some moves, um, this guy's going to be a freak. I mean, he was a top recruit. I think he was a, a four-star recruit. Mm-hmm. He was a you know highly touted guy. We were talking about this guy as potentially first overall type stuff. Uh, you know, almost this time last year. So, you know, he's obviously got the pedigree. 
Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've, I've settled too much into Benito right now to really change my mind, I guess. So for me, outside of, you know, there was the top four edge guys, uh, Hutch, KT, Carl Aftis, Johnson. Then there was a next tier. Ojabo would have been part of that top tier, but the injuries obviously knocked him down. Trevon Walker, Ebikitty, and Nick Benito's at the end of that tier because of the high-end traits, right? These guys were all like, they're less complete. They've got bigger question marks, but they've all got higher-end traits, higher-end upside. And Boye Mafia and Drake Jackson were in the next tier below. Um, but I actually think Drake Jackson, you could argue, has a higher floor because of his versatility. That body can grow into a couple different roles. Uh, he's going to give you a more natural fit against the run, at least early on. Um, and arguably a higher ceiling as well. So it's an interesting debate. And then Nick Benito carries the higher trait, the speed rush, the win rate. This class is just one of those that um, makes me love doing these kind of episodes and going back to revisit. Because, yeah, for my board, it's not a great draft, which, again, they have no first rounder. So kind of to be expected mm -hmm. when the first pick is at the end of the second, right? We all got to put it in perspective, much like the Broncos draft. Um, Tyron Davis uh, price, yeah, wasn't high for me, but very intriguing in this system. And go watch the Florida game where he absolutely lit those guys up. Um, <laughs> and you can convince yourself. And he's a classic. Yeah, I, I can see it in this offense because he's a one cut and go low center of gravity, ran a 4 4 8. The jumps were awful um, or not great. So it makes you wonder okay, long speed's there, but burst necessarily isn't can be a little impatient. It's not going to give you a lot of value on third down, whatever. They've drafted a lot of running backs, <sighs> but who am I to question a Shanahan in, in selecting running backs, right? Like a, that's, that's not how I was raised kids. So I, I'm not going against my heritage here. Um, and then, <laughs> sorry, Hank, did you want to say something? Well, I mean, the crazy thing is like, I totally agree with you. Cause it's like, yeah, whoever they get works out, but they never get a guy who, who's like broken out, or at least they haven't in San Francisco. Like, like for five weeks until the next guy breaks out the right. next five weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. It's, so it's like, how window. many points do we really give them for that? You know, yeah. it's like, that's kind of the Broncos post Terrell Davis, to be honest. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I what was that one year where they had like seven backs on the roster? Yeah. And Jacob Hester and Tatum Bell and Mike Bell and Orlando mm -hmm. Scary and all of them were competent. None of them were superstars, yeah. but you trust him. When it comes to evaluating NFL running backs, I think is the main point. But I need a grade from Hank and then Dre. Real quick, though, do we actually? Because he drafted Trey Sermon in the third round last year. I mean, this isn't a great yep. sign for that yeah. pick. And Elisha Mitchell. And he, yeah, exactly. And Sermon wasn't exactly on the field too much last year. I mean, oh. it was kind of a weird no. situation. So, I mean, I think this pick is worth some criticism, honestly. Totally. Yeah, I mean, then they have like the Tevin Coleman thing. Who is the who's the really right. speedy guy who got it going for a week and then just disappeared? Mostert. Mostert. Mostert's yeah. good though. He just gets yeah. Fun. Yeah. But again, no, like, how do you not else? capitalize on that? Like, um, and I mean, I Danny Gray's really intriguing. <clears throat> I can see why they like him. Uh, he also gives me like anyone who's followed this stuff for a while. Dante Pettis was one of the most awful John Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan picks, you know, the, I think he's still the all-time punt leader in NCAA history. The dude was a rocket with the ball in his hands, you know, you, mm -hmm. so you're believing in that yak ability, but it was an awful wide receiver. Danny Gray, go watch the highlights later. Like, holy shit. He's uh he's the next Ayuk, you know, or, and, and he's got some Marquise Brown to him. Go watch the actual SMU tape. 
It's like, wait, this, this guy's the prospect. Um, you know, so they're going to have to find touches. They're going to have to find touches for both those day two guys. And they, they have one top hundred dude with three day two picks. Not great kids. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued by the tackles they drafted though. Cause they know their offense better. They're small school guys intrigued to see where that goes. So I'm intrigued to go and have been intrigued going back and studying this class. It's a C minus D plus though. Um, and Drake Jackson's really carrying it. Yep. That's where I'm at too. Uh, I'll go. Uh, C. I'll go, I'll go C minus. Um, but again, I mean, it, the one that kills me is still just Tyrion Davis Price, who went right before Brian Robinson, Damian Pierce, Zamir White, and Isaiah Spiller. Like yeah, any one of those guys given to me. <laughs> Isaiah Spiller to me was my number three back in this class. Maybe, maybe my number two back in this class. And just him and his own running scheme. And I guess it's not like the speed to push the edge, maybe what whatever, but yeah, I don't love this. C minus. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You guys want to go to Los Angeles or Arizona? I'll leave it up to the floor. Start us off with Arizona, J. Mick. Let's go to Arizona, who took a lot of my favorite G5 guys. Yeah. Obviously, uh, Trey McBride at number 55. Love that pick. I love all the social media content they're pumping out with him. I'm just eating it all up. Then they double up with the Mountain West and uh, go take San yeah. Diego State defensive end Cameron Thomas, who I like a lot. I just think he has versatility to play all three downs for you. I think you can put him on the outside. I think you can put him on the inside. Mm -hmm. He's a sure tackler. He's not a guy that's going to like overwhelm you and take over games, but he's just going to do a lot of dirty work and free up room for linebackers to make plays and just be productive. That's what he did his whole career. Uh, I really love those San Diego state defensive linemen. And then they go get my J Sanders at number 100, who again, a guy like a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, He's a little bit raw. You're going to have to coach him up, but he's flashed quite a bit over the last couple of years. I really like this class. Uh, the, the PHNX guys that cracked me up, they were kind of like, oh, like, should we be worried that they got a Mountain West guy after they drafted Trey and then they doubled up and went and got another Mountain West guy? So I was like, you're going to take it. And you're going to like it. And you're going to stop disrespecting my league. <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on the Cardinals? Uh, I actually haven't given out a grade yet, but I give them an A. Have to. They got my boy Trey, but I really like all these other picks as well. I'll give him a B. I think uh, it could be a B plus. It could be a B plus because you just look through and it's like you you get Trey McBride at fifty six. Probably should have been closer to pick forty forty five. So that's good value. You know, Cam Thomas late in the third. It's like yeah, I thought he'd be early in the third. Same thing with my Jay Sanders, where it's like yeah, fringe second third rounder. You got him late. Like it's just consistent good value. Um, I guess Trey McBride maybe isn't like a a huge value position, but you do get the two pass rushers, which are value positions. I think Keontae Ingram going in the sixth. Like there's a chance that he really pops. Like just a uh, so well rounded, he can do anything. Seventh round picks, who who freaking cares? Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll go B plus here. Um, well, you guys haven't mentioned. I mean, they traded their first overall pick or their first round pick for Marquise Brown. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. A, I forgot about that. Honestly, a very very weird trade. I mean, this guy was the twenty fifth overall pick in twenty nineteen. Arizona just gave up the twenty third overall in twenty twenty. Um, we talked about it with Baltimore. That's an insane return on investment. Um, on the flip side, though, with Arizona, I don't really know what they're doing. I mean, they're trying to build like the shortest wide receiver core after, you know, they have Nuke and AJ Green. But after that, yeah. I mean, it's all these short, like fast guys. Kyler's uh, going to be um, throwing it between everybody's legs to him. <laughs> 
exactly. They're going to need to hope for uh, for growth spurts. Um, I, I love the McBride pick. I like the Thomas pick. Sanders, I think, is a nice project pick. Uh, Jesse Lucetta in the seventh round is really interesting, too, at 256. Um, yeah. But really, man, I, I don't know what this – I don't know what Keem and uh, Cliff Kingsbury are doing, honestly. I mean, it's a C for me. Um, mm. I, I love the top three, but I don't think that – I didn't yeah, factor in the trade, trade in my grade, so True. it can't be an A when Marquise Brown, you give up a first-rounder for him in the same night that A.J. Brown also goes for a first-rounder. So it's just, you know, if you're if you we'll were willing it. to give up your first for a receiver, like shop around a little bit, call a couple of extra people, and, you know, maybe you end up with A.J. Brown instead, and then you're feeling phenomenal about this. They did bring in uh, Ronnie Rivers as well as an undrafted free agent, versatile Fresno State running back, quite like a lot. I think has a chance to pan out as a third down option, swing pass screens, that type of stuff. Um, yeah, with the trade, that makes it tough. The trade probably drops it down to like a B minus, but I love those first three picks so much. They're fun. They're G5 guys. I don't know how good the Cardinals are going to be, but I'm going to play with them on Madden all the time. Three points. As a draft itself, with no first-round pick, earliest pick, after the 20s and the second, comparable to the Broncos draft, good value. Three top 80 guys with three top 100 picks, you're kind of getting a little further. The same way the Broncos tried to replace blue-chip talents like Noah Fant and Von Miller with maybe 80-90% of that talent. You're seeing the same thing being done by the Cardinals. Cam Thomas, you're hoping he can be 80-90% of a healthy J.J. Watt in his 30s. My J. Sanders, um, Chandler Jones, Trey, love the player, love the value. Zach Ertz, Mac Williams, still there if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I wonder about that. Um, and I, I agree. Lucetta's a great pick. Marquise Hayes was seen as a top five offensive interior lineman by some people who apparently didn't watch the trash offensive line that was the Sooners. But late in the seventh, phenomenal pick. And um, so fun to compare that and San Francisco and other teams that didn't have a first rounder and what they got with their halls. I think this is comparable to the Broncos with a B. Um, Th- second point, God, we have gone full blown these power back this draft. And when, when a guy like Cliff does that with a guy like Keontae Ingram, I start to notice, and I wonder if the scat back is kind of disappearing and we're just dra- we're just drafting gadget wide receivers to play that role. Um, and then the, the they, third, go ahead. I just going to say, I mean, they got Rondale Moore on the roster and we talked about it a bunch last year. This is a guy that if you just put the ball in his hands out of the backfield, reverses, whatever. Yeah, right. And I mean, let's talk about what this, this management team has done at wide receiver. You trade Josh Rosen a year after using a top 15 pick on him for Andy Isabella, right? That's who that pick, that's how that swap works out. Andy Isabella is what you yep. turn a former top 12 pick, I want to say, into. Then you draft Rondale after, you know, giving up the mortgage for DeAndre Hopkins. And now you you trade Marquis, uh, for Marquise Brown for the same exact pick that he was drafted in two years ago. So you've lost two years of control. The same offseason you use, you lose Christian Kirk. 
that's not great, man. That's not that's some real like crypto bro moving around to assets and what you ended up with. <laughs> I think the Marquise Brown thing, you have to it, it's it's a comparison with Christian Kirk. So it's like if you're going to like instead of giving Christian Kirk that contract, I think you feel a lot better giving that contract to Marquise Brown. Um, and that's me. Now, is it a first round pick better Fair. about giving that contract? Right. It, this is this is like the the big gamble. And honestly, like I, I I don't think that it's going to work out to be a good trade, but I do think that there's a chance. I'll say that with Marquise Brown being upset about how he was used in Baltimore, like whether he's targeted 147 times or, or something like that, where he wants to just be playing downfield football. You wonder if that thousand yard season last year, if that could turn out to be a much bigger number just by letting him run deep and this offense will let him do it. Um, but still like expecting him to give you the value that you gave up is, is, not not likely like that just not not a good move probably but who knows maybe they're right True. i mean there's hoping... politics involved too with kyler and them being friends that's like absolutely that's right yeah that I, I like marquise brown too though like i'm not trying to dog yeah. on like the player like i like the player it's just that the value you gave up for him mm-hmm. just doesn't match up with where he is right now you got to pay him in two years it feels like they overreacted and maybe over adjusted as four guys went or five guys went in the top 18 and AJ Brown gets traded. And it was like, Oh my God, we got to get in on it. What he does for the spacing of that offense could potentially be huge. You have to respect that deep speed. What could that do for Hopkins and AJ green down the sidelines on those comebacks? What could that do for Trey Rondale Moore running free uh, underneath and stuff, right? That could potentially be massive. He does. Uh, did you watch the cards in the playoffs, though? Those guys were uh, three and out, and every drive was like 15 seconds. Marquise Brown does not fix that. Marquise Brown does oh, not come down with that tough contested grab to pray to God we can extend this one drive. Um, so, and Deontay Ingram can really pound teams downhill, man. Exactly. And that's the thing is like at some point when you're playing important football, you've got to be able to run the ball. Like there will come a time if you're making a Super Bowl run that you really need to be able to run the football. And that is just something that Cliff Kingsbury does not agree with me with. And he is not going to be trying to make that happen. And I think that that's just one of those flaws that I'm not sure that it ever gets fixed. But I mean, is this is pretty easily the best receiving core in the NFL, right? Like I think probably by a pretty wide margin. With with Hopkins playing, uh, I wasn't factoring in tight ends. No, I, I, factoring in tight ends. I mean, I could kind of see it, but um, yeah, I mean, Rams without, got I mean, a pretty good receiving core. Yeah, I was gonna say Seahawks are right there, man. That's division, though. man. That's a lot of receiving talent. Mm-hmm. But they are. I, mean, in the, I, I think you make a strong point that they are in the conversation to be. Yeah, like, they're absolutely in the mix. Yeah. They're the cream yeah. of the crop. They're right up there. Um, and it's I a mean, great I like point. this tight end core more than almost any other tight end core in the entire league. I mean, this is pretty pretty good. Is Ertz, yeah. right, and Max Williams, that's a pretty nice uh, top three. Well, we, there's so much flexibility there with what you can do. You mm-hmm. can, you know, flex McBride out wide. You can line him up in line. You can put him in the backfield, which with Kyler and all the weird stuff you can do with him and Rondale. I mean, if they do this right, they have the weapons to be very quirky and very dangerous. My ultimate skepticism comes from not trusting Kingsbury and really not believing in him when it's all said and done. But mm-hmm. 
they got a lot of talent. They're going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to when Arizona comes to Denver this year. That's going to be a, should be a fun matchup, hopefully between teams that are both relevant later in the year. Yeah, for sure. I like a lot of these guys. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like Kingsbury about as little as any coach in the, in the NFL. And I like the Broncos in a game in mid December outdoors against the Cardinals. Oh, against this team. Well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be fun. Yeah. Fun Let's test move for on to Los secondary. Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. This one, we shouldn't take much time on one guy in my top hundred and Hey, they had the 40th pick. In the third, so not bad. Kyron Williams, we just talked about running the ball for winning teams in the NFC West. Really interesting addition to that running back core. Uh, coming coming into the season was seen as a top five back. Coming out of the season was seen as a top five back. And then in a historic combine where running backs ran faster than ever before, this dude is in the low four fives as one of the few pure scat backs in this class, right? And receiving back. So it was like, uh, what? But to get him late fifth, love that. Darian Kendrick, we were talking about him for the last two years as a top 50 pick. Goes yeah. to goes to Georgia. Great move by that kid. Wins a natty and everything. And somehow plummets his stock. Decent pick, though. Decent gamble. It's a lot of guys it's a lot of end of the roster fodder. Um, so, hey, what can you do? But with what they had at their disposal, it's good. It's a C. It's a C plus. Pat on the back. Good job. Let's see what you can do with all these high paid veterans later on. I'll give this them a is... B. Uh, okay. I again, like just because you have to factor in the value. But I mean, Kyron Williams in the fifth. Like, I would have been fine with the Broncos taking him in the third or fourth. But, I mean, he's, I think this fit in particular for him is just incredible. Like, the way he's going to be able to, to hit these gaps and get upfield, there's going to be so much space because of this passing game. That combination of him and Cam Akers could be incredible. And then, like, I really like Quentin Lake, Darren Kendrick, you talked about. You know, not really my guys with uh, the third and fourth round picks, but. At least uh, if it was first and second round picks that they're they're taking guys, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Then, then I would dock them quite a bit more. I think they made that value up later pretty easily. This is just what this team does, though. I mean, you look at these draft classes going back to, shoot, like 2018 after the golf trade, and it's just kind of these weird, like, depth type of drafts where they, you know, just kind of take guys all over the place that maybe you haven't really heard of, but... Sure enough, they'll be on the field and probably making an impact play at some point. Um, yeah, I love the Kyron Williams pick. Uh, Quentin Lake is a great value uh, there in the sixth round at 211. Uh, the son of Cornell Lake, a bit before my time, but this guy was apparently really good. I looked, wow. looked up his pro football reference. Um, he had like a deep defensive player of the year type of year, um, like 97, I think it was. So uh, nice pick there. And yeah, Darian Kendrick, that's an intriguing pick. I mean, we'll see if he can put it all together. Also worth mentioning, they took uh, or they got uh, Cameron Dicker, the kicker from Texas, as an undrafted free agent. So, Love if you that. move the picks around, it makes sense. Yeah, Tyron Williams in the third, Darian Kendrick in the fourth, Quinton Lake in the fifth, Bruss into Kobe Durant in the sixth. Then, then You're I right. think it'd look a lot better. I like Montana State defensive end Daniel Hardy a lot. He's a converted oh, yeah. linebacker. They got him at two thirty-five in fifteen games last year. He had 16 and a half sacks and 25 tackles for loss. It's just a playmaker. 
little bit undersized. I'm not really sure what his role is in the NFL, but much like Troy Anderson, just kind of a, a freak. And I, that's actually a, a story I'm going to work on with CSU's defensive coordinator, Freddie Banks, just his ability to kind of find athletes and move them around and then create success. So hopefully encouraging things happening uh, up in Fort Collins. We're going to move on real quick, though. The NBA playoff action, it's nonstop over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official oh. sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers bet $5 on any team to win, get 150 in free bets if they do. If you want to turn a small bet into a big payday, try the same game parlay. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team's going to win, total threes made, total rebounds. Boom, you've got a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, you can get a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg does not hit. Love that shot at redemption. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR so they know we sent you. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win. Get $150 in free bets when they do. That promo code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And also, I'm headed down to the DNVR bar today, which is going to be a lot of fun. Actually, it's going to be a big day for my stomach because I just put this big-ass coffee in it. I have a graduation party to go to, and it's at like a wine bar or something. And I, yeah, it's not really my scene. And I'm going to be wearing my abs jersey because I got to go straight to the bar after. But once I get to the bar, I'm going to be pounding Breckenridge beers. There's going to be so many of those. Again, I'm not sure. If, no, this that was before a podcast. My girlfriend's out of town. Yeah. There's no rules this weekend. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to be irresponsible today, and it's going to be a great time. We actually, me and Ryan went to the, the abs game on... Thursday, I got one of those massive avalanches, and they're so good. And it feels like you're doing the right thing, drinking an avalanche, watching the avalanche, yeah. and uh, also supporting Breckenridge Brewery because they're a huge part of the sports scene here, and we love them. And uh, we wouldn't be able to talk for two hours about the NFC yeah. draft classes if it's not true. for Breckenridge Brewery. So, thank so you for true. I wouldn't be able to pay my rent if it wasn't for Breckenridge so Brewery. True. My girlfriend works there. Shout out, Breck. Keep paying my rent. We love you. You do everything great as far as I'm concerned. They're literally part of the family. Um, The NFC North. I want to talk about the Packers. Can I just say, A, no. Henry is Popeye and Breck Brew is his spinach. B, (laughs) DraftKings already has odds for the 2023 draft. CJ Stroud. Barely ahead of Bryce Young in a Devi Dynasty League, though, where you can draft guys currently in college as well. I took Bryce Young in fact in front of CJ Stroud. That, that poise, man. Pick. That That's poise, baby. Really? Yeah. The poise of a champion, Bryce Young has. The poise of a champion. All right. So we've already talked about those guys. We've already stated we are the number one podcast for Montana State backers in the world. But also Obviously, screw you guys. After after the, the great words for Daniel Hardy, we'll we'll be taking that out in the edit uh and putting in Henry saying go cats. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 we will not. We will not be to that. Henry's Montana Midwestern FCS roots. We're going NFC North and baby where, where George Payton also comes from, not just brave mm-hmm. Hank. Where should we start fellas? Cause there's, there's some fun ones here. 
73-41-5. Because you have the whole Packers drama, the, you know, for months we're talking about yep. Aaron Rodgers going to be a Bronco, what's going to happen. Then he's a Packer, and then they trade Devontae Adams, and then they oh. go defense with their first two picks, and it becomes a whole other thing. But they end up with Christian Watson at 34, FCS guy, North Dakota State. It all comes together perfectly. He feels like a perfect receiver for A-Raj, as does Nevada's Romeo Dutch. They got at 132, one of my favorite value picks of this entire draft. Hell yeah. When he has a 10-touchdown season two years from now, I'm going to say I told you so. So just remember that. And uh, Devontae Wyatt, I love him. I love Quay Walker. They got some athletes for this defense going Georgia heavy. This was just a, a, a day three. They steer, they steer off a little bit. I, I didn't love some of that. Not bad, though. But it's not bad. Yeah, I, I gave it a solid A. Uh, let's go to Dre. Dre's chomping at the bits to talk about this. What we got that about? dog in him, baby. Quay Walker, <laughs> Devontae Wyatt. Um, so, yeah, I look, the entire NFC North kind of zigged while others zagged. They said, okay, you guys can go heavy on wide receiver. You guys can prioritize this position and what have you. We're just going to take value on the board. Quay Walker, I don't think, was worth pick 22. But I do think if they felt good about the off-field stuff you heard about, Wyatt, that's a great pick. Um, Watson, I'm just not a huge fan of. So I think they maybe swung and missed a little in two of the top three picks. But man, the rest of the draft is baller. Sean Ryan and Zach Tom as uh, zone-blocking guys are great. I've been high on Kingsley and Igbari the entire time. Romeo Dubs, I agree with you. That that guy is such a great fit. I've been prioritizing him in every single dynasty draft I've done. Rashid Walker, man, what a yeah. pick in the seventh. Yeah. What a yeah. pick in the seventh. This, this has been one of my toughest drafts to grade in my career because so many of these drafts, like the Packers, we just talked about the Seahawks, it's in the A-minus range. It's six top 100 guys. It's incredible, an incredible haul. But then philosophically speaking, early picks, where you prioritize, it didn't all come together. But in purely adding talent per my board, great job. I would have rather had Devin Lloyd than Quay Walker. No doubt, man. No doubt. uh, Mm. I'll give him an A-minus. I, I like again, like you see Quay Walker come in, you're like, ah, what what do you think of there? And then they go get Devontae Wyatt. To me, that kind of saved it because it's like, you know, you can hate on them for taking the guys that you don't necessarily love or picking them 10, 15 picks ahead of where you think they should have gone. But one of the other things we're saying is that Georgia defense is so good. Like, why not just take some shots on some of these guys? Because I think there's a really good chance. I mean, maybe Quay Walker was part of it, like the catalyst, you know, Devontae Wyatt. Maybe he yeah. was a big reason why this worked. And so, they salvaged the Quay Walker pick by adding Devontae Wyatt for me. Again, like Devontae Wyatt, like the off-field stuff. Yeah, go get into trouble in Green Bay. Like you couldn't do that if you tried. Like there is no trouble to be found in Green freaking Bay. Um, Romeo Dubs, I think he's better as a rookie than Christian Watson. There's a hot take. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, you're right. Amari, you mentioned that. Samori Toure. Samari yes, take, take a lap That's on Samori Toure. Oh my goodness, what a pick. I was worried he wasn't going to get drafted. He's just such a monster. I mean, when so, he was back wide in Montana, receiver out of Nebraska, yeah. former Montana player. When Let's he was just at Montana. There was a he, he broke Randy Moss's FCS record for yards in a playoff game. 
He put up 303 yards in a playoff game. Like he was just an animal. I still think they win that. Uh, they, you know what? Their best receiver after him got hurt in the playoff game. They lost this year. If he was at Montana this year, they would have won the national championship. I feel confident in saying that. Like just the reminder that FCS records include stuff that Cooper Cup did at Eastern Washington. Yeah, and Cooper Cup was the. I hated Cooper Cup. Um, but yeah, I mean Rasheed Walker. You mentioned him. This this is an A minus to me. Like you look at everything past the first round. It's like good pick, good pick, good pick, good pick, good all the way down. And before that, you pull two guys from the best defense ever. Sure. Like I'm not. I'm not going to fault you too much for that. I see the strategy. Yeah, Jake, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think if I would have, I don't know if DraftKings had lines on this, but for Quay Walker to be the third Georgia Bulldog drafted after Trevon Walker and Jordan Davis ahead of Devontae Wyatt, ahead <laughs> of Lewis Seen, ahead of George Pickens, even um, a little bit of an upset. Um, but I mean, you switch yeah. the Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt pick and whatever, it's fine. And yeah. like Hank said, you get two guys from one of the best defense. This is in college football history. I can't be too mad at you. Well, and Jake, um, real quick, if you switch those picks, the Patriots probably get Quay Walker at the Cole Strange pick, and you're not able to right. get him at the Devontae. Mm-hmm. So strategically, it worked out for them to get both those guys yep. where they could get them. Yeah, sure. And I like Quay Walker. He was, I mean, it's just, you never saw a lot of him. It was a heavy linebacker rotation there. I mean, they had a lot of dudes. We talked about it a lot. Um you know, Christian Watson is interesting. Uh, he's taken with some draft capital that was in the actual Devontae Adams trade. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a storyline there. And then, yeah, Sean Ryan, Romeo Dubs, Enigbare, uh, Rashid Walker. I mean, it's just really nice class overall. Um, I'll allow the Christian Watson pick. It's fine. I mean, with Aaron Rodgers, I think it's something that you can just kind of work with. I mean, just send the dude deep because he can run. Um, and Rodgers will definitely get him the ball. Uh, so, yeah, can't be too upset about it. Count me in on Romeo Dubs uh, over him early on, too. Um, but, yeah, great class. I give it a B plus. I feel like they replaced Adams with the money ball approach, where it's we're not going to get one receiver that can do what Adams does, but we can get Watson, who can go deep like Adams, and we can get Dubs, you know, who's going to be a contested catch freak, a red zone option. He can move the chains for you. Again, you know, it's just you're kind of trying to replicate what he does in the aggregate, which I, I kind of like the strategy there since they didn't end up with any of those top receivers. You guys want to talk about the Vikings or the bears next? Oh God. If we, are we going to do this about the bears? Are we, are we ready here? We are. It sounds like you're ready to go. So I'm I'm throwing you (laughs) a softball, Jake, and hit the shit out of the park. So first off, uh, they traded away Khalil Mack for, Nothing. Uh, they got a second round pick um, that ended up turning into Jaquan Bit Brisker. And then they got a six rounder next year. That's all they got for Khalil Mack. Um, just that's crazy. And then um, I'm sorry, I don't have this team pulled up right now. Give me one second. So then you go Kyler Gordon at 39. Um, yeah. Fine. And so the top two picks are actually pretty decent. Gordon and Brisker. I mean, yes. kind of, you got to rebuild that secondary a bit. It was really bad. Uh, the previous couple of years. And then Vilas Jones at 71. I mean, Oof. Justin Fields needs help, guys. And I'm sorry, I don't think Vilas Jones is going to be the guy <laughs> that really kind of turns the tide here. Hot take. Um, he's 25 years old. I mean, he he's is. older than a lot of the guys that got like traded for. I mean, Marquise, Marquise Brown. Brown. Yep. 
Yeah. So uh, what is going on there? I like Braxton Jones. He's a super long guy, but he's a project. Um, so you're not exactly getting uh, Justin Fields like a stout prospect on the offensive line. You're giving him another project that tackles who could potentially just get blown by and blindside Justin Fields. Uh, I don't really know what else is going on. They had a billion day three picks. I don't really care for any of these selections outside of Braxton Jones. Um, Nagy and Pace were bad, man. But I mean, Poles is off, not off to a great start. <laughs> Good luck, Justin Fields, this year. This is an F for me. This is the worst class I saw this year. Oh, wow. Love this. Wow. Love that. I've got him in a B minus. I think it's all right. I mean, Kyler Gordon early in the second. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Jaquan Brisker, I I personally really like him. Like, he's a hitter. He can do everything. He's a good athlete. Seems like a pretty smart player. Uh, great instincts. I mean, maybe, maybe more of a runs type, run stuffing type of safety eventually. But I mean, I guess that's probably a little bit early. Later in the second would have felt a lot better. But I don't know. Felix Jones, though, yeah. Like, what are you doing? But also, it's I mean, it's, that was after the drop off. In my like, like the receivers before that, George Pickens out, Pierce, Sky Moore. Afterward, Jalen Tolbert, David Bell, Danny Gray, Eric Ezukanma, Romeo Dubs. Like, like they're solid. I, I don't think anybody there. I was gonna be like, oh, nice pick, guys. But yeah, this was not, 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 not the guy. But yeah, and from Man. there down, yeah, not, not my guys the rest of the way. But fifth, fifth, sixth, 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 seventh, seventh, seventh. Let me jump in. Drafted a punter. I'll knock it down now. to a C plus. So the the Chicago Bears had the 148th overall pick. They traded that pick to Buffalo. That pick ended up being Khalil Shakir. Do we not think that the Bears maybe could have used Khalil Shakir? You got Braxton Jones and Treston Ebner, the running back, with those picks. Come yeah. on, guys. Yeah, Khalil Shakir over Vilas Jones. Uh, seriously, why not? If if Khalil Mack plays like it's 2017, then the then that's a bad trade. But yeah, yeah. Drafting any punter that's not Ryan Stonehouse gets a negative uh, mark from me. Um, I don't know. I just like making fun of that whole thing. Yeah, this was a this was a bad class. I I feel bad for Bears fans. I'll just say that it's a tough existence. Well, I mean, again, it's it's a tough one to balance because the value on the first two picks are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and I, I get the philosophy of, look, we're several years down the road. This isn't the time to, but man, this team, for this team, it kind of is the time to really try to surround Justin Fields with some options. And You're going to entire... wait till his fifth year to put a team around him, and then you wasted half a decade of having a cost-controlled quarterback. Like, well, isn't that the if whole he makes appeal? it that far. Yeah, he I makes mean, it that for Windows now because if you don't have success, you're not just hanging around forever. You're either either going to have a career renaissance somewhere else, a la Tannehill, or it's just over and it's time to shut it down and move it forward. And this entire offseason from the Bears has not been like, oh yeah, we're getting the coach for Justin Fields, we're making the free eight. It's been just like, no, we're just doing mm-hmm. our thing, we're building the right way, and yeah, uphill battle. What's your grade, Dre? Um, I was in the B minus, and Jake definitely talked me into a C. I think just a, a <laughs> C all around. You did what you you did value wise what you needed to. No more, no less. I actually think the Dominique Robinson pick later on is a good one, as is the Jatari Carter pick. Um, I could see Zach uh, Thomas painting out San Diego State guard that they took. I thought they took him a little too high. 
Um, but I could see him at least being a guy that is in their rotation. Let's go on to Minnesota, which I, Great trade. at number 32, they end up with Lewis Seen. I think it's a very Vikings-y pick. You end up with a defensive back at the end of the round, but I like him a lot, especially followed up by Andrew Booth. They needed to add talent to that secondary. They were able to do it. Uh, they they get Azimo at 66. Maybe a bit of a stretch. I do think he has decent upside, though. Some of the late picks, I, I don't know a ton about, but I thought yeah. it was an okay class. Where where are you guys at on on the Vikings? Let's start with Dre. Interesting, interesting trade between them and Detroit. Um, so especially allowing them to go get who they got. Yeah. So Detroit essentially ends up with Jamison Williams and um, Pacheco. Josh Pascal. Yeah. Pas- thank you. Pascal. Um, and the, so it's those two guys and Minnesota in return gets Lewis seen Andrew Booth or no, is it? Yeah. Lewis seen Andrew Booth, who I guess Booth kind of turns in, they trade that yeah. down and Brian Asamoa mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I, I would like, I, I kind of don't love, um, of those five players involved. I don't love at least three of them. Um, so I'd rather the Detroit side. I think they should have just kept that second rounder. Um, that value would have worked out to me. Uh, and man, they went so like back seven heavy in this draft, which is so Minnesota. I guess that's where you want to rebuild this defense, which is fine. At Ingram, I thought there was better value on interior offensive line there. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. I, I've kind of been back and forth because the scene booth picks, I think, are really good. Those are guys who are top 35 guys for me, you know, right, right on the verge there, top 40 guys. So, but that's where you're drafting. So it's it's really more of a C minus for me. It's a lot of picks without a ton to show for it. Yeah, I'm around a C plus. I, I like, like you said, I love seeing in Booth. Uh, those are two great players in the secondary. But for me, where I really kind of lose it with this class, I mean, you gave up the 12th overall pick to a division rival and yeah. you didn't get any future compensation for it. Yeah. I mean, this is a 12th overall pick. How do you not get like a, a second or a third from next year? I mean, you got nothing. You got, you got 32, 34, and 66. They traded away 34. That ended up being parlayed in another move up for Andrew Booth. And that's that's just what they came away with with the 12th overall pick. I just don't think that's great enough value. I do yeah. like Brian Osimo though. Uh, uh, watching Nick Benito, he was a guy that kind of stood yeah. out to me on that defense. Uh, Ty Chandler's a guy I like too at 169, a pass catching back out of North Carolina. Um, but yeah, not not a big fan other than that. I mean, it's good players. Um, it's a C plus though. It's a little bit of a shaky start for uh, the new GM Adolfo Mensah. Especially the trade. I think that's the biggest criticism. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, again, Lucene, I love that. Andrew Booth, I love that. Ed Ingram, like, I would be fine. Like, if I was a GM, I'd be tempted to have a policy that's, like, if you have two picks in one round, just always use the second one on a lineman. Like, it's, it's not going to feel fun at the time, but you're going to be happy you did it three years down the road when you're like, Oh no, what are we going to do at tackle? Well, hey, wonder if this guy figured something out. You know, it's so, I don't know. It's it's not a bunch of guys that I love. I mean, but even SMO is solid at the top of the third. Um, 
give me just a solid B. A solid B. I, again, you got to weight things toward the top picks. If you factor in the trade, then obviously it goes down. I mean, what would this team look like if they had gotten that receiver? Like if they had gotten Jamison Williams? Because right now, it's it's almost kind of a waste to have Thielen and Jefferson, but not have a third receiver threat that can take advantage of, of the matchups that are going to come open because of that. So factor in the trade. some respect on B.C. Johnson's name, my friend. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Once he respects himself and then puts some numbers up, I will. But yeah, the, the B. I'll give him the B for the draft. You factor in trades, it's a C. All right, let's go on to Detroit then, who they traded to. They take Aiden Hutchinson at two. Great pick. Jamison Williams at 12. I mean... Probably two of my five or six favorite players in this entire draft class. I I liked what they did. They end up with Chase Lucas in the seventh, which I thought was good value. Uh, James Mitchell, the Virginia Tech tight end, is kind of intriguing. I don't I don't really love any of these tight ends outside of the top two or three guys, but I I really love what the Lions did early, especially they. They feel like they got better. They feel like they got more competitive. And considering they were in a lot of those games last year, I'll be interested to see if that can, you know, maybe translate to a couple of more wins. Yeah. Yeah. Buying, buying all the line stock, man. Um, <clears throat> you know, that trade, that's huge. They fleeced Minnesota, in my opinion, honestly. Um, coming away with Aiden Hutchinson and Jamison Williams really just, I mean, doesn't really matter what else the rest of class is. You got those two guys. Um, that's tremendous. And then Josh Pascal, too, out of Kentucky, is a guy that can make some plays. He's really strong. Chase Lucas, you said it, uh, like him a lot, too. And at 237, why not? Man, I'm telling you, this this team is – they're getting there, man. Brad Holmes has done a great job. I think, like you said, Justin, Dan Campbell really had them fighting last year. Um, as soon as they – you know, they got another first-round pick next year, they're going to replace Jared Goff at some point. I mean, it's going to happen, but with what they have coming into this year, I mean, this is going to be a feisty team. This is an A for me. I love this class. I was just looking through the trade value chart, um, and this is like the old school, I think the old school one. Yeah, the classic Jimmy Johnson one. The Jimmy Johnson. 14-10 points going from, or basically the the Vikings came away with 14-10. The, the Lions came away with 1,200. So by Jimmy Johnson's, the Vikings got more value. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think about. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. They put the, a lot of eggs in, in one basket by, by trading three picks for Jamison Williams, right? I, I agree with Jake that you look at it and it's like, yep, you get eight notches in it too. Jamison Williams at 12, both solid values, which is crazy to say about picks that are up that high, but those are good value picks. And that defines the draft. As of right now, give them an A for that. But... They did put a lot of eggs in that basket, and all of a sudden, if Jamison Williams doesn't pan out or Aiden Hutchinson doesn't pan out, this class could look really, really, really ugly. Yeah, I mean, you don't love uh, Jamison Williams' reactions post-pick uh, and everything Can't blame either. Him either. <laughs> yeah, um, though, honestly, man, you could do a lot worse than a guy like Jared Goff throwing it deep to you to start your career, mm-hmm. at least. And this is more how I would have handled this draft than how so many of these other NFC North teams did and loading up on like higher floor, lower ceiling guys, just take big hacks. Two of my top seven guys, if Williams was healthy, he's like a top three guy. You got two of the potential studs. And then it's very Broncosy getting captains and kind of trying to fill the roster with quality guys, you know, and Pascal 
don't love that ceiling. I think that's a bad pick, but you fleece the Vikings. You shouldn't even have had that pick, if you ask me. Um, and opposite Aiden Hutchinson? Okay, might be intriguing. Uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, the interior linebacker from Okie State, had some top 100 buzz at a certain point. It's not a terrible class. Um, it's a B for me. I think you took care of business. You got what you needed to get done, done. And there's a lot of upside for it to, to be more, you know, um, that you might not see the immediate returns, but I think long-term this was the right way to, to build and go about it. All right, let's do uh, the NFC East. We're going to go a little bit faster for these last two divisions, just because they weren't as exciting. I feel like the NFC West and the NFC North were just a lot more intriguing. Big time. And everybody talks about the the Cowboys and the Giants and everybody enough, you know, go watch ESPN for five minutes. You'll get your fill. Do we have Let's, a break? No, we don't. We already got both in. Boom. Yeah. Love it. So we'll just keep it on moving. Uh, Dallas ends up with Tulsa offensive tackle, Tyler Smith at 24, followed up by Ole Miss defensive end, Sam Williams at 56. South Alabama wide receiver Jalen Tolbert at 88. Uh, Wisconsin tight end Jake Ferguson, 129. It's pretty much the, the highlights of the class. They do end up with the uh, North Dakota OT, Matt uh, Waletsko at 55, 155. A uh, very bland class, just kind of meh, in my opinion. I do like Tyler Smith, but he's not, I don't, I mean, that's my first round pick. I don't know. I'm not feeling super stoked. How are you guys? Yeah. Where are you guys at with this? That's exactly oh. where I was. Uh, seeing Tyler Smith go at 24 doesn't seem like a good value. But also, when you, in hindsight, looking at him, Tyler Smith being with the Cowboys, it does feel like that works out. Like that feels like such a good match for me and what they do. Um, and so I'll give him a B minus for that pick, um, despite it being kind of a, a bit of a reach. But outside of that, I mean, Jake Ferguson, the fourth, I think that's probably a good pick. Um, Tolbert was right after that, that line where the good receivers were gone and you're starting to kind of gamble on guys quite a bit more. Not much in this class that does anything for me. I'll give it a, a, a C plus. Yeah, it's a very black draft. It reminds me of some of the drafts that Elway would have where they're drafting so late and he's all, it's almost like every round he's taking a guy that should yeah. have been taken like 15 picks later, but it's because he was like, you know what? We're late first. We're just focusing on second rounders. We're late third. We're just focusing on fourth rounders when it's like, dude, let the board fall to you and take who you got. That's what's happening with Tyler Smith and Sam Williams in my mind. But you know what? To their credit. And this again was something Elway would do. They drafted guys at positions. They've kind of had a history of drafting and developing those player types and those positions. Tyler Smith and uh, Waletsko, right? Uh, the offensive tackles. Uh, Ferguson is a very philosophical fit. They've had a good history of developing wide receivers. Dan Quinn stayed, so why not give him another edge to develop and hope he can uh, roll the dice again, right? So I get it it moves the needle very little for me when you have zero top 50 prospects for my board and top hundred. I'm looking at two guys. That's not great. When you had all your picks, that's a D for me. It's one of the lowest graded drafts in the entire class. Yep. So you start off the, the 
for the draft, you trade away Amari Cooper. You only get a fifth and a six, 155 and 193. That ends up being Waletsko, the North Dakota State tackle, and Devin Harper, uh, the linebacker out of Oklahoma State. Um, and I thought that was interesting because, you know, they talked about how they can't afford to pay Amari Cooper. And Cleveland just goes and restructures his deal, adds on two void years, and now all of a sudden his cap hits, like, fixed for this year. So, I mean, what the hell are we doing there, first off? Um, And then, yeah, with the Tyler Smith pick, uh, that in conjunction with these day three picks, I wasn't a big fan of day three picks. I'm not a big fan of Tyler Smith. Why didn't you just package that to move up some picks? Go get Zion Johnson. Do something like that. Um, Yeah, man, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm not a big fan of the class overall. It's a D for me. Um, you know, uh, the edge out of Mississippi Williams is int- intriguing. Um, Jake Ferguson made some plays every now and then, but yeah, that, that's about it for me. Another team that was kind of confusing to me was the giants. I loved what they did with Kayvon Thibodeau at five and Evan Neal at seven value wise, two of the better picks to the entire draft. And you get two studs for your offensive and defensive interior or, uh, excuse me, trenches, but then they take Wandale Robinson at 43 and they're supposedly shopping Tony. And it's just, I, I, I don't really understand what you're doing offensively, I guess is, is the thing that confuses me with the giants, yeah. but you do, you end up with Thibodeau and Neil. And at that point it feels just kind of like the, the lions where it's just like the rest of it's just kind of gravy. They had so many picks though. I really feel like they could have got more value with some of those second, third, and fourth round picks. Um, Similar to Detroit, right? Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. Some great comparisons, I feel like. Jake, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, exactly that. I mean, you get potential franchise cornerstone guys at very important positions with KT and Neil. Um, and those could be banner picks for Joe Schoen in this first year. You know, I mean, that can kind of help carry his momentum <clears throat> as GM of this team. Um, but when you look at the roster, I mean, they're still kind of just held back by Daniel Jones at this point. Um, He really limits the ceiling for this team. Uh, I love the skill players though. I mean, Saquon's one of my favorite backs still. Uh, I'll buy that stock that everyone's selling. I mean, you still have Sterling Shepard, Tony, if he's able to stay in Galladay, it's a solid receiving core, but yeah, Wandale Robinson at 43 is just insane to me. Um, Well, Jake, who are the guys opening up? Who are the guys outside opening up the space for all these weapons that you would have on the inside? That's my, that's my promise. Seems like a complete mismatch. Like what's Dable thinking? Yeah. Kind of a, they don't really have much speed on the perimeter right now, which is, I mean, this team, again, it's, they're just in flux right now. I mean, new coach, you still have Daniel Jones. You got to make a decision there. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they moved on, frankly, but yeah, I mean, day three, I don't think you got much. I like Darian Beavers out of Cincinnati. Uh, with your last pick, uh, Bellinger, the tight end at San Diego State, was a decent prospect, I thought. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a B for me just because of KT and Neil. I think you could have done a lot better. This was like an A-plus potential class because of KT and Neil, and you just didn't quite live up to that building. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Um, I mean, you guys put it perfectly. We we could do a whole podcast on Wandale alone. Um, but to me, there were three prospects in this draft that, weren't elite grades, which is my tippy top, like set and forget, surefire. Like I think they could be potential Hall of Famers. Um, you know, the Chase Youngs, guys like that. But there were three guys who for me had a consensus in most years, these are kind of consensus top 10 picks. 
Those were Neil, KT, and Hutchinson. You, they, you get three of those two. That's incredible. Incredible at five and seven to pull that off. Um, man, you just needed like a couple guys out of my top hundred with the nine other picks you used, and boom, it's an A plus. And they just couldn't come away with it. So uh, a bit of a mess and figuring out all that offensive skill uh, personnel is going to be a a disaster. Really like mission one on Brian Dable's plate here. Totally. Um, I'll give it a, I'll give it a B plus. And just because you you come away with Thibodeau and Neil at those picks that like that, that that's an A plus and the rest of it brings it Mm -hmm. down to a B plus. Um, Taking Wandale one pick before John Mechie seems like that could come back to bite you. Um, But at the same time, Kadarius Tony didn't pan out. Obviously, like they spent a first round pick on him last year. This is a player who fits in that mold, but probably isn't quite as good. That's a bad pick. Um, But I do think it's a little bit easier to track why they did it considering like the stuff with Tony going on. Like they just want that weapon type guy. Um, But yeah, I mean, Jake Prop, Darian Beavers, and I think that's that's yeah, basically it. I go. mean, Darian Beavers. With how the wide receiver market was unfolding at that point, though, you should be able to flip Tony for like a late first. Like, I don't want to hear you're crying about like, oh, Tony really put us in a spot. Like, great. Then flip like Hollywood Brown's going for top twenty five picks. Like, get on the phone, baby. Let's work. Like, I don't want to hear you for a complaining second at that point. I mean, you could have like. Pickens uh, was on the board still. I mean, Pierce was on the board. Sky Moore. I mean, yeah. dude, come on. There's totally. just a lot of better options. Um, let's. I want to talk about Washington. Go ahead, Hanky. Give us your Tony. Tony. Like it was immediate with the drama last year. The drama kept up. He had one really good game, but like, like his third best performance, he puts up 40 yards. Like that guy is an absolute bust. And just, <laughs> it's you, one season. Uh, it, on, yeah, on, I'm saying it now though. Um, yeah, but still, I mean, so there's the one big game where they give a bunch of touches. 189 against the Cowboys, put up 78 against the Saints. Is Jerry then Judy a bust? 40, 36, 26. Jerry Judy put up a hell of a lot more than 420 yards last year. Also zero touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I'll just I've say, done. if we are certain Kadarius Tony is a bust, then all these gadget wide receivers that got drafted way too high in this draft ain't going to pan out all that well, man. Uh, like, uh, this is really, I, I hope you all have a plan for these guys because if you don't, those are just sunk assets. Um, I'll say this. Nobody in these last couple of years, other than maybe Shanahan, used like quirky gadget guys better than Dable did in Buffalo. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie yeah. has become a legitimate NFL wide receiver because of him. Like, yeah, I'll give him a shot. I, I trust Dable. I saw what he did with Josh Allen. You you have some intriguing pieces. It's just, it kind of feels like the Island of mismatched toys at this point. Yes. And I kind of feel similarly about Washington. Although I, I think they had a really good draft class. I mean, I I like Jahan Dotson at 16, a little higher than I expected him to go. I thought he was more like late first round, early second round. But once those top guys are gone, it's kind of just like, you know, who who do you like? You end up with Sam Howell at 144. And I mean, value-wise, that's phenomenal. There's a world where, you know, Howell's a first round pick not that long ago. Uh, Nevada tight end Cole Turner is going to be an awesome red zone weapon. 
I don't know what else he does other than that, other than, you know, maybe you can kind of make him a guy that stretches the the middle of the field, but I, I like it. And then they stick to their, their roots, which is just, let's try and draft any and all available Alabama, Alabama. players when on the board with uh, Federian Mathis and Brian Robinson, two guys who I like a lot. I thought they were good value picks. I would give Washington like a B plus, A minus. I think it was a solid draft. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, a lot 100%. of draftable guys. Um, it's not very exciting. I mean, the, it just feels like everyone until you get to the Sam Howell pick is overdrafted by anywhere between 8 to 20 spots. Dotson's probably the most justifiable with how everything works out. And man, Carson Wentz with Antonio Gibson in that backfield and Dotson, uh, scary Terry to throw to it's, it's intriguing. It has me intrigued. Um, and then God, like put me to sleep. Is this draft boring after the Dotson pick It's just high ceiling. How many of these drafts are we saying it high floors, low ceiling, just like checking off boxes. Cool. You know, like, um, Brian Robinson's the adult in the room to kind of bring Antonio Gibson along. Fidarian Mathis, you need a few more guys like that so you can start stopping the run and having a little more stability up front. I love the Hal value. I like the Cole Turner pick. I like the Chris Paul pick. It's a good draft. It's a B minus six draftable guys for my top 120, not quite top 100, but just outside. Um, it's good for where they're at. E for me. Jahan Dotson, the other option there is probably Traylon Burks. I think that Dotson fits what they're doing well. Um, just so much speed on that offense now. Like, I feel like they have an identity. So that's a, that's a good start. Love that. Uh, Fidari Mathis, yeah. Brian Robinson, I think, is a great addition. Um, Sam Howell, I think this is a potentially the perfect landing spot for him. You know, because you're trying to get him to be kind of a, a healthy Carson Wentz in, in, in an ideal world. Why not let him sit behind him? Um, so yeah, I'm B B plus to me. Yeah, I like this class also. Um, <clears throat> I really like the class last year too. So two solid classes to start off. Martin Mayhew's time as GM there. Uh, they had the 11th overall pick. They traded that to New Orleans, who took Chris Olave. So it'll be fun to kind of compare Dotson and Olave um, in that vein because of that trade. Because of that trade, though, too, they got 98, which ended up being Brian Robinson um, and a fourth rounder that ended up being traded to Carolina. Um, and they also, I mean, I think they did well with the draft capital that they received and gave away with the Wentz trade too. I mean, you gave up, I think 42, uh, 73 and a 2022 20, third, but you got 47 coming back. And look, I know a lot of people are going to clown on Wentz, but I don't think he's as bad as many people say. Um, he's just a high variance quarterback, honestly. And uh, with Terry McLaurin, now Jahan Dotson, I mean, it's kind of a, a small starting two wide receivers, but I mean, these guys are pretty dynamic um, and they can both make some incredible catches. So I think we're going to see some really awesome highlights and bombs from Wentz to Dotson yeah. and McLaurin. Um, I love Brian Robinson too at 98. I think that's a really solid pick. Darian Mathis, yeah, a bit rich there. Um, Sam Howell, that's my guy, man. Um, you know, he's going to get a shot too. Uh, very similar quarterbacks that he's behind in Heineke and Wentz also in terms of skill set. Cole Turner, a guy that can really make some plays at tight end too. He's going to be able to stretch the seam for them. And then Chris Paul, yeah, one of my favorite players from the senior bowl, honestly. I thought he was really impressive in one-on-ones there. Um, you get him at 230, which is just great value, I think. Uh, A-minus for me. 
I've really come around to a uh, Ryan Rosillo has a thing on quarterbacks where he talks about if you don't have like one of the, I think it's like top six guys or top eight guys, whatever it is, just go week to week and whatever your opinion is, you're going to be right. You know what I like? It's just all these guys. It's just so fluctuating. Like just wait a week. You're probably, your opinion's probably right. Whether you hate him or whether you love him. Yeah. Uh, so true. Let's talk about the uh, E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. Hell yeah. Who I think ultimately probably got sniped for Jamison Williams. I think that's who they were probably going to take. I'm not 100% sure on that, but they end up with Jordan Davis at 13 after the trade with Houston. I love Jordan Davis. So, I mean, that's just a guy that makes your football team better. Uh, Nebraska center Cam Jurgens at 51. I'm not sure I love that value there. But then they end up with Nicobe Dean at 83. So two guys from Georgia that I love a lot. Uh, we'll see what happens with Dean's health and all that. Sounds like he had a bunch of injury concerns, and that's why he dropped. I like a lot of these players, though, and I'd, you know, I'd give it a solid like B. I mean, you also got A.J. Brown. You gave away yeah. 18 and 101. You got A.J. Brown, yeah. which... I mean, I, I love A.J. Brown, one of my favorite players in the entire league, uh, super young. I mean, you just got a dynamic receiver now in a team that desperately needed a wide receiver. I mean, shoot, you got him over picks that where Traylon Burks and other guys went. I mean, I definitely take uh, A.J. Brown at this point. You moved up from 15 to three at the cost of three day three picks for Jordan Davis. Love that deal. Um, a bit rich on Cam Jurians, I agree, but him kind of under uh, – not Travis Kelsey, uh, Jason Kelsey yeah. is very intriguing because I think they're very. And he was like players. raving about him. I don't know if you saw that video, but he was like, they asked me in my opinion, and I told the Eagles to draft him. He's like, he was my favorite yeah. prospect in this entire class. Yeah, man, he can run and move just like Jason Kelsey. I yeah. mean, I think Jurgens is just a bit uh, underdeveloped in terms of uh, strength and size at this point. And so you obviously don't have to start him with Kelsey there right now. So you can kind of develop him this year, maybe next year if Kelsey retires, plug him in. Um, and you can kind of keep moving that offensive line and that like really wide zone running scheme that they used to run. Um, and then the Kobe D just kind of one of the steals of the draft, honestly, at 83, why not? This team had a massive hole at linebacker. Uh, that's tremendous value. This is just a great job from uh, Howie Roseman. I think it's an A for me. Yeah. A for me as well. I, I really love it. I mean, Jordan Davis, that's, Especially, you know, it, it would have been easy to go with the cornerback there, I feel like, just because they, that's kind of the weakness of this team still. But, you know, with Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, throw Jordan Davis in there. All of a sudden, you can be confident you've got one of the very best defensive lines in the league. And on top of that, some of those guys are getting kind of old. And so you have one of these pieces who can carry over and kind of keep things going afterward, building a bit of an identity. Um Nicobe Dean, they bring in Hassan Reddick too. That overhauls what those linebackers look like. With Hassan Reddick, like he can rush the passer, he can drop a cut, he can do anything yeah. back there. And for a team that is struggling still, just like what what do we do? That's nice to have that sort of chess piece. And then you pair that with Nicobe Dean, who can hold down the middle. That's I I really like that fit. Um, and yeah, Jurgens, I'm Jurgens with Landon Dickerson. With uh, mm -hmm. with Kelsey, I mean, this is a this is a lot of centers. It's a lot of centers on this team. Um, but I don't know. I, I I'm fine with it. Like again, you're looking for an identity. Run the football when you have a running quarterback. When you have a young quarterback, you want to be able to run the football. Want to give them weapons too when they trade for AJ Brown. Like just an A, an A for me. Yeah. Um, 
It's a it's an A plus um, when you consider what they were able to do for AJ Brown and acquiring yep. a future first and second from the Saints. Who I yeah I know uh, I know we've got another we'll rant coming from Jake. Um, I love the Jordan Davis pick. They they might have been sniped for Jamison Williams, but they sniped the Ravens for Jordan Davis um, and Nakobe Dean's a great pick. Love Grant Calcaterra as kind of a low roll the dice. Uh, Hank bringing up Landon Dickerson does remind me they have taken a lot of rolls of the dice on injured guys. Um, and Calcaterra, Dean, two other dudes you're doing that with. So, you know, it always looks good on the board, on my board when I'm not having medical professionals giving me like accurate intel on what a risk this is. But um, at the end of the day, it's a great haul, not just for the value they bring in, but they really are able to build long, to put in place long-term building blocks, but also immediate contributors that are going to help your current strengths of your team and help you evaluate some of the bigger question marks on your team. So instantly the strength was the interior defensive line. Well, even more so now when you give Fletcher Cox a dynamic partner in the interior D, everyone else talks about it, but no one's about it. They actually have invested the resources in stud interior defensive linemen. And then adding AJ Brown to Devonte Smith is really going to help that stud wide receiver. And it's going to allow you to figure out Jalen hurts and really help him not to mention the young stable of backs as well and open up space for them. So just everything lines up You're You're adding future assets. You're able to get good value with the trades and um, you're, you're just, you're getting good value on the draft board, but it makes sense philosophically now and for the future. So just checking off every single box. It's the only team I can say that about. It's an A plus for me. Also, I'll say this about Jalen. He looked pretty good when he was uh, whooping Denver up and down the field last year. I got to watch that one in person. An intriguing undrafted free agent class too, man. Uh, you talked, Hank talked about corner that they could have used some corners. Well, they got Josh Job and Mario Goodrich out of Clemson as oh. undrafted free agents. You got Reed Blankenship at safety. Uh, Kennedy Brooks at running back, the guy from Oklahoma who flashed at times. Britton Covey. Do we have Britton Covey hype still going, Henry? Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's an A+. And then then Justin, Carson Strong gets 300K guranteed as an undrafted free agent contract. That's pretty big for an undrafted free agent. It was interesting how that all played out. I almost wonder... If like Carson Strong's agent at some point in the seventh round was telling teams not to draft him and was like, we got this deal worked out with Philly. Like, don't, you know, don't screw us on this. Um, I like it, man. He's the complete opposite of Jalen Hurts, obviously, but it's an opportunity where he can go get healthy. You know, you're not going to play the statue. You know, they paid him enough that it he, he, he's going to be around in some capacity, whether it's practice squad or you know probably on the roster but interesting really interesting i do want to hear what you have to say about the saints though let's wrap it up here uh, with the nfc south the uh, the least interesting division in the nfl regarding the nfl draft some really weird decisions Uh, new orleans ends up with chris olave and trevor penning in the first round don't pick again until 49 where they get elante taylor the tennessee corner and then their last two picks, App State linebacker DeMarco Jackson 
Air Force defensive tackle Jordan Jackson, who uh, I was surprised got drafted. He's a stud athlete, but kind of just felt like an undrafted free agent based on his size. And I, I don't really know what his role is at the next level, but uh, Jake has some intense opinions on the Saints. So I'm going to give him the floor. So we go back to week 18 last year. The Saints beat the Atlanta Falcons. They go nine and eight. They land at the 18th overall pick for this draft. They use that and 101 and 237 to trade with the Eagles. They get the two first-round picks, uh, 16 and 19. They get a sixth-rounder, but they also give up a 2023 uh, first and a 2024 second. Yeah. Uh, premium picks in the future. Um, they give they trade again. We already talked about it with Washington um, yeah. to move up even further for Chris Olave. So finally, all all it's a mess, but all this capital essentially turns into the 11th overall pick and the 19th overall pick that they held on to. Um, you know, when you look at the fact that this team obviously really needed a wide receiver, they really needed to tackle. So, I mean, you know, pat on the back, you got Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. But with the compensation that you kind of used, these guys better be pro bowlers, man. Um, you use so much compensation that if Olave and Penning bust, I mean, it's going to really like hamstring this franchise for quite a while. And when you look at the fact that Philadelphia managed to use New Orleans 18th overall pick where New Orleans started the draft process after week 18. Philadelphia used 18 and 101 to get AJ Brown, dude. Yeah. I mean, you used all this capital to go up and get Chris Olave where you could have just stayed pat, maybe talked uh, friendly with Howie Roseman and ended up with AJ Brown and you don't even give up all these future picks. It just, it's crazy to me, honestly. Um, Alante Taylor's a guy I like at 49 overall also. Um, but just all the compensation given up makes it a really complicated draft to grade, honestly. So I give it a C. It's a lot of wait and see here. Um, high, high variance, high risk. High risk, high variance, high risk. To not have a quarterback and give up those future assets is madness, madness. Um, and man, to just go all in on Olave Penning, who I get, like they're just in such a rush to be in a win now mode with, with a new coach, a new quarterback. It doesn't make much sense. Alante Taylor, I get it. I I don't know though. I don't I don't he wasn't a set and forget top 50 guy. It's it's a C because again, like I thought they were gonna get screwed out of Penning and really be in trouble. And Olave feels like a good pick with how the wide receiver market went. So I'm not going to get too harsh, but man, oh, rough. It's interesting because they like, like the bills coming due for all the salary cap things that they were, they were yeah. doing. And, and that's kind of over the course of like these next three years, starting this year that, that they're in serious cap hell and they probably have to push it back one more year beyond that just to, to make it work. And that has to be playing a factor in this decision-making. And I'm not sure how exactly that thought process works, but it must be something like, you know what? We need good players right now who can contribute and be on the field for us, but we, we can't afford to do like, we can't go sign free agents. We can't make trades. Like there's no way they could afford AJ Brown, you know? And so Going and just saying, you know what? We're going to get a tackle here. We're going to get a receiver here who will be a core pieces of our identity for this next, I mean, the four years they're on this contract as we try to rebuild, get out of cap hell. That It must be something like that going through their mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's high risk because if one of those guys busts, they're absolutely screwed. 
Like they they have no wiggle room because of what they've done this last like half decade or whatever. Um, again, just just the value of the picks though. Give give them a B plus f- to me. I, I getting Chris Olave, getting Trevor Penning, like those are positions of need. Those are those are good players, good solid value at least. Um, just not a lot. You factor in the trades, and that goes down to a C. Yeah. I mean, this team is $64 million over the cap in 2023. You don't have a first-round pick. You don't have a quarterback. Um, yeah. Yikes. There, yeah. I mean, it's kind of the same reason that Brady came back, though. It's That division is terrible, so I think everybody's looking at it like, it's wide open if we can just figure it out. You know, like, it's it's right there for the taking. But the, uh, the front-runner is obviously still Tampa Bay. Who did not have a first round pick? They ended up with Houston defensive end Logan Hall at 33. I uh, get the Central Michigan guard Luke Gagki at 57. Arizona State running back Rashad White at 91. And Washington tight end Kate Otten at 106. I like the value there. I don't, I mean, it's a lot of depth pieces for a team that's basically set in place starter wise. Logan Hall makes a decent amount of sense, other than they just spent a ton of money on that defense. Where are you guys at uh, with this Buccaneers pick? They're they're hard to understand because they're going to be so screwed cap wise once Brady's gone. Like it almost it really doesn't matter. Big Elway uh, vibes on this class to me as well. This is a big like the Derek Wolf draft. Vibes and last year was kind of similar. Like they're they're trying to get their quarterback of the future. They're trying to maximize on pass rushers, both interior and exterior right now. Um, so you know, like Logan Hall was rumored to be their first round target. They trade down, they're still able to get him. So good. That's a good process. Gadecki in front of his teammate, um, Ryman, surprising, but okay. Yeah, maybe fits more philosophically. I liked Rashad White, end of the third, maybe a little rich for me, but fine. Kate Otten feels very like uh, another Jeff Howerman type pick for the Broncos. Um, you get a punter. I've seen that. The Broncos draft a punter in the fifth, you know. Zion McCollum, probably the best pick of them all. Um, so yeah, it's not very exciting. It's none of my guys. Everyone's basically overdrafted. It's one guy in my top 60, one guy in my top hundred, despite having, you know, first overall pick in the fourth, that's almost like four top hundred picks. It's a D for me. It's one of the lower, uh, graded classes, um, in this class. Yeah. I give it a C plus. I mean, they're, the roster is so deep that they don't really need these draft picks to be impact players. They just need solid depth and rotational guys, which they get in Hall, Gedeke, uh, White, Rashad White is a running back that I liked, um, kind of enters a rotation that has an opportunity, I think. Uh, Kate Otten, too, and you need a tight end. Um, you took a punter at 133. I can't commend you for that, though. Um, but they did trade away 170 for Shaq Mason. You got a starting guard there. I mean, it's a slightly above average draft. It's a plus. You improve team depth at multiple positions. Yeah, I... I'd... I'll, I'll give it a, a C plus. There's just nothing that does it for me. I mean, like, like you look at Logan Hall, the first pick of the second round. After him, we've got Roger McCreary, Jalen Petrie, Arnold Ebikidi. You know, bring in Brees Hall. Like, there's a good chance that he would play a big role. Kyler Gordon, Boy and Mafe, David Ojabo. Like, there's just so many good players around. And they they circle back and get the Gadecki, a pick before Troy Anderson. And we have Cam Taylor Britt, Drake Jackson's there. I, 
they they did not maximize what they did. Like, if you want to get those guys, get those guys, but try down or something first. Um, just doesn't do it for me. And Rashad White, like, it's another one where you still have Brian Robinson there. You still have Zamir White. You still have Isaiah Spiller. If you're going to take Rashad White, you can probably wait. And if you wait and he's gone, there's a good chance you're getting a better running back anyway. Yeah, Carolina. Iki Okwanu at six. Matt Corral at 94. What are your guys' thoughts on what the Panthers did? You know, Some people thought maybe they go QB, top 10. They go offensive tackle. And they still get Matt Corral at 94. So value-wise, pretty solid. Yeah. I, out of all of these teams in the South, like this wasn't a super sexy class, but I, I feel like they did a pretty pretty decent job of just letting the board fall to them and picking based on value there. Yeah, good. I mean, good draft for where the team is at. Good mix of like immediate needs and high upside guys who are kind of more swings of the, um, you know, big hacks. And we'll see how it works out. Corral, Braden Smith, Amari Barrow, who tested off the charts. Cade Mays, who's a former five-star recruit and could be a really good guard. Um, so, you know, it's just one guy in my top hundred. Uh, I wasn't the highest on Corral and what have you. And people thought they did a masterful job of letting Iquanu fall to them, who was their target all along at six. It's good. It's not going to move the needle a ton, but you you did what you had to. It's a B. Um, um, again, it lines up philosophically. At least you're taking some big swings. A couple of these guys surprise you and pan out. The, you, you might be really set up nicely. Totally. I think uh, like this is just a good clean B for me. Um, like Dre said, didn't make him all that much better this year. Like your rookie tackle is not going to be a huge upgrade probably over whatever replacement you have year one, but long-term it's a good move. Um, Matt Corral, letting him play behind Darnold. Like you, it's, it's that thing we talk about where if he breaks out this year, gets an opportunity, then all of a sudden you don't have to address quarterback next year. Just a little lottery ticket there, which I don't mind. Uh, Brandon Smith, crazy high upside. I like having him out there with uh, with Jeremy Chin. I think just the versatility those guys provide, all the different things they can do. If he pans out, there's there's a lot to like. Cade Mays is a good value in the sixth round. Uh, yeah, just like a good B. Leaning B plus, but a B. Yeah, I'm, I'm around a B minus. I mean, you get one of my favorite players in the draft at six overall and a Kwanu who they didn't really think would be there um, ends up being there for them, which is awesome. Uh, they didn't have a second pick, a second round pick because well, they traded for Sam Darnold. Um, they traded away 137 and a 2023 third for Corral at 94. So they gave up a little bit of future comp- future compensation for him. Um, but at 94, I can't be too mad at Matt Corral there. Um, and yeah, Brandon Smith, Henry, that's a great pick, I think. Um, I mean, it's a B minus. It doesn't really do much, like you said, this year. And I think Scott Fitter kind of had his hands tied, but I mean, kind of did it to himself for trading for Sam Darnold and mm-hmm. giving up that, uh, that drive compensation. So. The Atlanta Falcons, the last team we have to evaluate. I really like what they did with these first couple of picks. You get Drake London at eight. I think the best wide receiver in this class. Ebiketti at 38, followed by Trey Anderson at 58. Love the Trey Anderson pick. And then you still get Desmond Ritter at 74. I mean, you could have potentially traded back at eight and took a quarterback late in the first round. I mean, there were there were a lot of scenarios in which Atlanta could have done this. Instead, they just take the best receiver, one of the top two receivers, still end up with one of the, the quarterbacks who really rose up the draft boards at the end and get them at 74. 
I like the BYU running back Tyler Algier selection at 151. Really solid class. I feel like they they added a lot of pieces and they got better, which is really all you can hope to do when you're as bad as Atlanta was this past season. Yeah, this was this is I think my second favorite draft class behind Baltimore. It's an it's an A plus for me. I mean, Drake London combined with Kyle Pitts, that is going to be some really, really good football. Twin Towers. It's going to be incredible. Um, I'm I'm really fired up to see that. And then beyond there, I mean, Arnold Ebikidi, like there was first round hype for him at one point. This is a team that needs mm-hmm. pass rushers. This is a pretty freaky guy. Not a, not a team in win-now mode, so they can give him a year to kind of figure things out. Don't need him to contribute early. I, I love that. Troy Anderson, I'm, you don't, I don't need to say any more about Troy Anderson. We spent months and months and months doing that. But combining him with Dion jo- Hey, hey, 73 and 41. Just 73 and 41. Uh, Dion Jones is there. Rashawn Evans. To any of <laughs> throw, throw Troy Anderson and... It's that's that's turning into an awesome yeah. group, and then Desmond Ritter falls to him in the third, and it's a perfect fit for him. I mean, could you like we talk about Sam Howell, Carson Wentz, Desmond Ritter getting to play behind Marcus Mariota? They're very similar players, I think, especially now yeah. that Mariota's lost some of that athleticism. I think they have the same limitations passing wise, and, and if, if it doesn't work out, go get a guy next year. But that's a great value for him, Tyler Algier. Uh, when you have Cordero Patterson to get the big power guy to combine him with, I mean, that's the piece that's missing. I mean, he falls to the fifth. Justin Schaefer, the guard from Georgia. I think there's a chance he pans out and he's a sixth round pick. I, this is one of my favorite classes easily. Yeah. yeah. Really good class. It's a ton nice. of value. I do wonder, do they have like some of these classes we've talked about today were a little more lined up and I get it. Here's more like, Hey, we got six guys in my top 80 who could really be future starters. And that's a great way to start. Do we feel great about it? Does it really line up? This team's kind of added finesse pass rushers for a decade now, and has yet to figure out how to stop the run. Um, Desmond Ritter, nice value, but if we're just running it back and focusing on quarterbacks next year, might that just end up being a waste of a top hundred pick? A year from now, really like the Angelo Malone. Really love Justin Schaefer, undeniably for the value on my board. It's an A. Yeah, I'm right around there. A minus B plus range. I mean, you received 82nd overall pick too for Matt Ryan. Um, that's your D'Angelo Malone pick too. Uh, the trade up for Ebiketti, um didn't give up much there. You gave it 43 and 114 to go to 38. It's a nice job there. Um, but yeah, the top four of this class is really nice with London, Ebiketti, Anderson, and Ritter. Uh, Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Ritter kind of pushes Mariota for the starting job this year. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I like to bring up. I wanted to pull you guys on that. How long until Ritter is the starting quarterback this season? Until they start losing. Uh, as soon yeah. as they start losing, I think it's time to make the change. But I would guess they're able to keep it at three and four. Maybe, maybe they lose to go three and five, and they throw Ritter in. So somewhere, somewhere on midseason, he's like a virtual lock to start games this year i mean i don't see yeah. how you take him with a top 100 pick like this and you don't at least start him i mean i know the team sucks but uh i mean this is a great opportunity to see what you have in him um i mean this team's still in the early phases of rebuilding but this is a solid draft class for that phase i think i'd set it at like week 11 the over under you know you take it there i guess my biggest concern with this draft class um would be if i'm arthur smith who like 
going into yep. year two of his tenure as head coach. It's like, what are you? You took this job because of Matt Ryan, dude. Where are we going? What are we doing? You feeling all right? Because I, I start, <laughs> I, I'd be renting, not not buying. I'll just say that. I don't. Yikes. Um, Zillow every now and then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Don't uh <laughs> don't spend too much on that school tuition. Tell those kids, you know, not to get too uh shallow level surface level friendships. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. You might be back in Nashville before you know it. Um but yeah, that'd be the only thing. All right. This was fun. Like That's I said, it. if you missed our AFC grades, go back and check it out. We'll be back. Next week and every week throughout the offseason, eventually we'll start previewing the the games as we get a little closer here. We're within 100 days of the college football season, so it's you know starting to get to that time. We'll talk about prop bets. We'll talk about conference previews. We'll talk about our favorite draft prospects. We'll talk about it all. Thank you guys for listening. We are presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Stay warm out there. Much love. Peace.